0: I, I titled this message, A Righteous Preacher in an Unrighteous World, because I feel like today we are dealing with things that we've never seen before. Um, you have people who are uh, so adversary to the Word of God. Um, you say, well, is that, is that really true, brother? Is that what you see on the media? I, I do believe the average person today, I do believe they have some understanding that there is a God. I do believe they have some understanding that God is real. But I think one of the things that is missing is the fact that they've never seen God real in their life, or maybe in the life of people around them. What was one of the biggest uh, opportunities that Christians had in the early days of, uh, of the church? Nobody knew what Christians were, did they? They would go and, and uh, they, they basically were so new. But you think about it what happened in those early days? What happened when they were uh, persecuted? Did they get mad? Did they rise up in arms? Did they want to take off a tyrannical government? No. What did they do? Instead, they were persecuted. Some were martyred. Some were killed. Some were put under such duress that none of us can even imagine. Think about Apostle Paul thrown into prison, uh, tied to uh, another soldier. Boy, I tell you what, going through something like that, I would be uh, very discouraged as an individual. But Paul didn't. What did Paul do? He sung while he was in prison. As Christians, sometimes we forget that God has a, a real job for us to do. A job that is not easily done without his strength. We have a job to be a witness. We have a job to be a, 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 a army for Jesus Christ, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Ones that stand up for the right no matter what other people say or think or do. You look at your society around you, you listen to the radio, you listen to television, And you find that even one of those things, those mediums will always support what the world wants, what Satan wants. I tell people don't watch the news. Why? (laughs) Because the news is always trying to bring you down. I say don't be careful. Don't watch the current entertainment. Because they're going to soften your ideals about what God wants you to do. Stay in God's word. Know God's word. Be faithful to God's word. Jonah was here and here he is, the son of Amittai. He was a He was a, uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, he was a a powerful prophet. Um, Even in the time of Jeroboam, he was powerful. We'll find out some things about that. But as I read this passage and I look at how Jonah fled from the presence of God, he fled from God's responsibility, I cannot deem to understand, or I cannot, uh, um, there's a parallel between the two of us. I think there's a parallel between how we operate today as Christians and how Christians back then did. Now, get granted, were they saved the same way we were? Jews? Yeah. They, well, they were saved, right? How were they saved? They were looking towards what? The coming of the Messiah. We already know the Messiah has come, and we believe in Jesus Christ, right? They didn't have that. Now, I I'm curious. I really am curious. As how many times God would send a prophet to these people? And he would preach Elohim, which was the triune God, the one in three. How many times he would try to do that to reach others for Jesus Christ. It's interesting that I read that and I thought, boy, that's interesting. You know, I wonder how many times God did that. Maybe this is just one example of God showing it. Now, the interesting thing is, is that he used the, the term Elohim, which is the triune God. But you know what the Hebrews worshipped, right? What was the name of their God? Yahweh, right? It was the God of the Israelites. Now, is it the same God? sure is. There's only one God that we worship. It was the same God. But the bottom line was, I think God was trying to reach these Ninevites for Jesus Christ. I think he realized that he had an opportunity here with the Ninevites. And I want to first of all point out with Jonah was his struggle of obedience. His struggle of obedience. We find here in the first part where it says, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Don't tell me God's not still on the throne. How many are excited to see God work? I'm excited. I tell you what, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. How many people you hear Christians today complain about society, they complain about how the world acts, they complain about this and they complain about this and they complain about that. They're not thinking into consideration, God puts you where you're at right now for a reason. You might be the very thing that helps people come to that understanding of Jesus Christ. Christians need to grow up. They need to mature. They need to understand that God's got a purpose for you today. Yes, there's going to be a struggle. The Bible says very clearly that the things that you want to do, you don't do. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. We have to put on the new man, don't we? But if we're constantly struggling with this idea... If we're constantly unaware that God has this plan and this purpose and that we're just here on this earth just waiting for God to return, we're going to be sorely displeased when we get to heaven. God's going to say, what did you do with all that time I gave you? Why doesn't God just take us home? I, wouldn't that be great? Think about that for a second, Andrew. Tomorrow, no rent, right? No, no uh, cars that don't work, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. You'd be walking on streets of gold, right? You'd be sitting inside your Savior as soon as you get saved. Boom! He's out of here. Where do he go? He got saved. <laughs> I, would, I would say, I'd venture to say that people would have a little bit more difference of opinion how they how they lived as soon as they got saved, wouldn't they? If they knew as automatically they got saved, they'd stand before their, the presence of their Creator. I think they'd have a little bit of more understanding there. But you know what? God didn't entitle it to be that way. Instead, God gave us a few years left on this earth, even after we're saved, to reach others for the good, with the good news of Jesus Christ. As you look around you and you see uh, the problem, just like Jonah did. Jonah saw the great city of Nineveh. There was not a more a wicked city than Nineveh. Nineveh was awful. Some of the things that you found about Nineveh was the fact that they were uh, basically uh, the most godless generation. It says here that um, the city was advanced culturally, but its people were arrogant and corrupt. Nahum the prophet spoke against Nineveh as a bloody city full of lies, violence, sensuousness, and idolatry. Their soldiers were infamous for for cruelty. Although God knew their wickedness, he nevertheless commissioned Jonah to go to preach to them. God sent them there not only for Nineveh's spiritual warfare, Welfare, I'm sorry, but also to shame Israel in a dramatic way. Israel was religiously self-indulgent and did not bother to evangelize the surrounding nations. So when Jonah went alone to preach to Nineveh and that entire city repented, it was a sharp rebuke to Israel's attitude. It seems God often sends individuals to accomplish his work when a larger group does not obey. Boy, does that not describe America today. We are so desensitized to the souls around us. We're desensitized to the point where we don't care. I grew up in a small town. Small town America is interesting. Zach, you grew up in Chicago, right? How many times did people wave at you that you didn't know? Not not a lot, did they? You go to my grandparents' house, my girls will attest to this. Every person that sees you, they wave at you. You have no idea who that person, is. you might not even know who their mom, their dad, what their name is, whatever, but they'll wave at you. Why is that? Because you never know. They might, you might know them. My graph hey, how you doing? They're out in the boat. Hey, how you doing? You're waving all these folks. Why is that? Because it's a small town, a small community. Do you know what? In the big cities, the suburbs, you don't find that anymore, do you? People have become desensitized towards each other. So there's no community. There's no neighborhood. There's no sense of direction when it comes to reaching others and trying to help others. Why? Because society has been so uh, drawn to itself and not drawn to others. See, that's what Nineveh was. Nineveh was a poor poor, uh, a poor area. It had some struggles. I don't think Jonah struggled with the discipline to, call to God's calling to preach to Nineveh. One of the things that we find about Jonah was he was an experienced prophet. Not only was he an experienced prophet, but he also was a greatly exalted man uh, man of God in Israel. Now you say, Brother Harold, you going to back that up? Yep, turn to 2 Kings chapter 14. How many know this? There's another place besides Jonah that we find Jonah. Anybody knew that? Zach, you Bible scholar. He, of course, Cassie does. Zach, you Bible scholar. Come on, you knew that, right? He's just smiling. Is that our uh, Oscar? Did you know this? I didn't know it. 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 23. It says in the 15th year of Amaziah the son of Joash king of Judah, Jeroboam the son of Joash king of Israel began to reign in Samaria and reigned 40 and 1 years. Well, if it goes for a northern kingdom Most kingdoms don't realize this, but if you're in the northern kingdom, people died pretty often, okay? It was pretty amazing that he lasted forty-one years. It says in verse 24, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. What was the biggest problem with Jeroboam, the first Jeroboam? Anybody remember? Nobody? Yes. They set up the groves, right? The groves, the places that they worship Baal. Uh, they made false gods, right? So that was the problem with Jeroboam the first Jeroboam. It says in verse 25, and he restored the coast of Israel from entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord, a God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant. Uh oh, who is that? Jonah, the son of who is that? Amittai the prophet of, was of Gathether, Hefer. So we find Jonah in 2 Kings, right? What was Jonah doing in 2 Kings? He was a powerful guy. Think about how that made him so feel so special. When he went to the king, he says, King, listen, I got news from the Lord. I got news to tell you. Listen, you're going to enlarge your border. You're going to make this country bigger. And you don't have to worry about it. It's a prophecy from God. God says he's going to do it for you. Well, Jeroboam was a wicked king, wasn't he? Jeroboam, really, in, in the eyes of, of God, he had no right to enlarge their border. He had no right to be succeed and be profitable. Pros- proper. Why do I have a hard time with that word lately? Prosperous. Well, God decided to let it happen, didn't he? And he used who? Jonah. And that's an interesting. I don't know about you, but it's always good to be on Phil. Good that you've done something good like that, Right? Can you imagine as Jonah was standing before that king and he's telling that the king's just amazed. You said what? You said you said that we're going to enlarge our border? Boy, Jonah and he comes up and gives him a great big hug. Thank you Jonah, thank you. And and, and then we find later on that it happens. Boy, he was an exalted uh, prophet, wasn't he? People probably lifted him up and lifted him up high. But we find here that this second command that Jonah was given was not so nice, was it? We find here that he was good to go to Nineveh. I think secondly, not only did uh, Jonah not struggle with his discipline to God's calling to preach in Nineveh, but secondly, Jonah did not struggle with obedience because he was afraid of the job that he was to do. I don't think, to be honest with you, that Jonah struggled with going to Nineveh and preaching against it. Why? Because I guarantee you if he was a man of God in Jeroboam's time, that he was dealing with the same wickedness that was going on in Nineveh that he was going on in Israel. Us Christians, sometimes we get involved in this thinking that there's no way we can reach someone for Jesus Christ today. How many can raise their hand today and say, I've been able to witness to someone and see them saved? Okay, got one. Oscar, two? All right. There's not a lot of people that can say that. Why? Because we have forgot the importance of being a witness. We forgot the importance. Oscar witnesses all the time. He gets in trouble with Uber and Lyft because he's witnessing. But listen, we got to be careful not to forget that God has given us this chore. And as wicked as it may be, listen to me, God wants to reach people for Jesus Christ today. Jonas was an experienced man of God. He was dealing with the sins in Jeroboam. He was dealing with the sins of the people. He was constantly bombarded by what evil was going on in his day. Thirdly, not only did Jonah not struggle because he was already dealing with this issue, but Jonah did not struggle with obedience because it was a far away of a task to accomplish right now. Interesting thing, if you go onto the map, the Old Testament, and you look at Jonah where he went, how many know where Joppa is? So if you look at Israel, right here's the Sea of Galilee. And then you have what? Where's the Mediterranean Sea? Between Spain and Tarsus is in Spain. in Spain. Where was Nineveh? So Tarsus is out here. Israel's right here. Where's Nineveh? Yeah. It's right here. He literally went as far as a way he could. To escape God's plan. We have a city here. Now believe me. You look around us today. How many independent Baptist churches are in the city of Chicago? Not many. There's missionary Baptists. That preach in good works. Instead of salvation. But there's very few independent Baptist churches. And in those independent Baptist churches. How many of them preach proper doctrine? Not many. Why is that? I've talked to Don down there. She's She's got a few years ahead of me. And uh, Brother Glenn down there, he's got a few years ahead of me here in the city. Was there a lot of more independent Baptist churches 50, 60, 70 years ago? Where'd they all go? They moved out, didn't they? Could you say they're a modern day Jonah? Maybe. I don't want to cast blame on churches that are out in the suburbs today. That's not my purpose here. What I'm saying is, is we have, we have a Nineveh on our hands. Let us not be the folks that drive 2,200 2, miles away from the city because we're trying to escape God's plan. God has a plan right here in Chicago. God has a plan for you and me right here in Chicago. It's right here. It's right next door. See, that's what Jonah had. He says, no, I don't want anything to do with this. He thought he could outrun God. He thought if he drove far away enough from it, he would not have to worry about it again. Can you imagine the people that he abandoned when he left? Can you imagine the people that were looking for him and and concerned about him? What happened to Jonah? What happened to our, our blessed son Jonah, our prophet Jonah? What happened to him? But they were saddened to find the news that their son uh, the, the prophet of Israel, had ran away from the will of God. Jonah struggled not only be, with his obedience, or didn't struggle with his obedience because it was too far away. Jonah struggled because it was against his patriotic duty. Today, as a society, we are cut one way or another. If I say right, what other people going to say? Left. If I say conservative, what are other people going to say? Liberal, Liberal, right? The Raleigh cry. Let's not look at it like that. It's not conservative or liberal. It's not uh, right or left. Believe it or not, it's right in the middle. The Bible says what? What does it say about turn not from the right hand nor to the left, right? Where are you supposed to go? Right in the middle. Right in the middle. Now you say, Brother Harold, is Zach's looking at me? You liberal, you. You hippie. Right? There was this commercial. I don't know when it was. It was a few years back. And I think they were advertising for the Chevy Cruze. And uh, your car. And I uh, know, he's rolling his eyes at me. But it was funny because uh, the father gets on there. And he's like talking to him. I think the father was in a nursing home. And he, or no, maybe he was picking him up or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it was going on, but they were in the car together, and uh, he was telling his dad, "Oh yeah, Dad, I get 38 miles with ecoboost." And he says, "That's hippie talk son." And I sometimes think of that when I start talking like this, you know people "Oh, that's hippie talk! You know Listen to me. As a Christian, as an individual, don't let your political uh, ambitions, your political, your civic duty. Disrupt what God has given you to do. Too many people have gotten wrapped up in the election. Too many people have gotten wrapped up on the left and the right and the liberal and the conservative and MSNBC and Fox News. Really, God has called us not to Fox News or MSNBC. God has not called us to be liberal or conservative. God has not called us to be left or right. God has called us to be sons and daughters of him. And in doing so, the only news you need is the good news from Jesus Christ. The only news you need is to understand where God wants you to be today in your witness. Where God wants you to be, today, be in your Christian walk. Where God wants you to be as a person, as an individual. That's where God wants you to be. Jonah did not struggle. He struggled because he wanted his patriotic duty. You think about it for a second. He did not want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a wicked, wicked city. Nineveh was an awful place. And the Ninevites would what? Eventually, someday, destroy Jonah and the Israelites. Did you know that? Where is Jonah today? Does anybody know where Nineveh is today? What is it? Actually, there's a couple things. Babylon and Assyria. And eventually, guess who was going to take over Israel? Assyria. And Jonah knew that. He knew someday that these people were going to take over his land. He knew someday that God was going to punish them. I think it was all part of God's plan. God was trying to preserve the Assyrians, or people from Nineveh, because why? Because he knew he would have to use them someday to punish the children of Israel. Can you imagine what... Blowback he got because he would try to reach the children of Israel. I'm sorry, the children of Ninevites. you imagine what the children of Israel felt about him? You're going where? To do what? Let those people die. Let them die in their sin. Let them go to hell. Why are you doing that? They're wicked. They're awful people. Full of deceit and lies and they're bloody. You look at that and you say, Jonah, wow. How can Jonah deal with this and, and still continue? Well, he struggled with it. Number th- number five, Jonah struggled because it was against his self-righteousness. His self-righteousness. Granted, today, there are a lot of Christians that have, n- nobody has a right to be self-righteous. Right? If you stand here and say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I say, no, you're not. You're a sinner just like the rest of us. People say, I don't like going to church. It's full of hypocrites. So listen to me. That's where they reside, brother. We're all sinners. We are all deserve death and hell. Nobody deserves the, the goodness of God, but God gives it to us anyway. The only difference between us us in here and those people that are out there that are not coming to church is not because of our good works. It's not because of the good things that we've done, but it's because of Jesus' mercy that he saved us. And he's just waiting for someone out in here to go out there and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. He struggled with it. It was his spiritual duty that he struggled with. You can very easily be caught up in self-righteousness. You can very easily be caught up in what you think is the right thing to do. But when we look at God and what God expects from us, it changes our dynamic, doesn't it? We look at ourselves and say, boy, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'd be there right now. You see that person that's involved in alcohol. You see that person that's doing drugs. You see that person who has uh, got an upside-down relationship, marriage relationship. You see that person who has uh, children who are just out of control. And you say, boy, I tell you what, I'm sure glad I'm not like that person. You're no different than the rest of the world. Boy, they look your nose down at you. Why don't you say, boy, I'm so thankful God saved me. Let me reach that person for Jesus Christ. Let me give that person a track. Let me be faithful to my witness here. Not only did uh, Jonah struggle because of his civil duty and his spiritual duty, but Jonah struggled because it was a plight on his family to try to work with a savage country such as the Ninevites. You know, sometimes things that stop us are close to home. Maybe you kids, my kids encourage me. They want to be a witness, The witness to little Zoe. Even though Kate and Callie are not saved, they're still trying to witness to him. I don't know what they're telling them. She's telling them about Jesus Christ. Praise God. But listen to me. Our spiritual, our familiar duty sometimes can stop us. Don't let your family stop you from serving Jesus Christ. We have it good here today. I think about Muslim countries. I think about it even in China and Japan. When people ask Jesus Christ to be their Savior, they're literally disowned. In some pa- Muslim countries, they will literally kill you. If you convert to Jesus Christ, it's called a mercy killing. Why? Because in their minds, you're already dead. Listen to me. Don't let your family stop you from serving Jesus Christ. We have a good here in America. They can't kill you. (laughs) Well, at least they shouldn't. (laughs) Uh, It might come to that. But listen to me. Don't let your family stop you. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for you. Don't let uh, the old phrase that I heard growing up in Bible college was find God's will and do it. It's important. All right, I'm, I'm moving on. Number two, we are Jonah. I think we do struggle with our obedience to God because we believe God, uh, we can pompous we can our purpose through our civic duty. Don't think that uh, Joe Biden can save you. Don't think that Donald Trump can save you. Don't think that Dick Durbin or or some of these other leaders, uh, Pritzker, can save you. He can't help you. The only person that can't help you is Jesus Christ. You look at the plight that you go through. You look at the world today and you say, why is it so evil? It's because many Christians have uh, lended their hand to political activity and not to the very thing that God has called them to do, and that is to be a witness. I'm not against political activity. Don't get me wrong. I think Christians should vote. If you don't vote in here, you're wrong. I think you should be a witness and salt and light in, in certain areas. I was talking to a uh, person today about the idea of abortion. Abortion's wrong. Shouldn't be done. God saved us not to take lives, but what? Yes. And as a Christian, our responsibility is to be salt and light. We're not like those savages from the old days who would take a baby and they would, what, literally, the Philistines would literally sacrifice babies at the hands of the god of Dagon. They would get the hands of Dagon so hot. Was it Moloch? Thank you, Brother Oscar. Moloch. They would get the hands of this Moloch so hot. It was a brazen statue. They would get it so hot that it would be red. And they would take their newborn infant and they would throw it at the hands of Moloch. It's not much different than today. People have taken their newborn their newborn baby that are not born but their baby that's in in the mother's womb and they've sacrificed it at the hands of uh, sexual freedom. They've sacrificed it at the hands of their liberty, so-called. Listen to me, we got to be careful that we are salt and light. But don't let your civic duty get in your way of what God's given you to do. We struggle to obey God and be an outreach because we don't want to establish a relationship with others who do not have our moral equivalency. It's very easy to become self-righteous, as I mentioned before. The transgender people need to be reached for Jesus Christ? They sure do. Do people who, who have left uh, uh, all sensibility, such as morality and and adult, they're adulterers or they're uh, drug users or they're drinking alcohol. Do they need to be saved for Jesus Christ? Yes. They sure do. How many times have you got the chance to witness those folks? How many times have we reached out? We shouldn't be like some who see someone with that are indifferent than them and say, Oh, I can't talk to them. They're just too different. God's plan for us is to reach the world, not just the people that we want to reach. We struggled to obey God's calling in an outreach because we we're afraid what our family will think or say. I'll tell this story and I'll probably tell it a zillion times more. I remember when I was a kid. You'll like this, Ashley. When I was a kid, my grandfather would take us out to eat, grandmother and grandfather, and uh, we would pray before our meal. I remember we'd sit down and pray, and I remember my grandfather would do one of these numbers. While we were praying. He didn't want anybody to think that he was part of this spiritual kook clan. <laughs> I remember that to this day. Why? Because it stood out to me as a young person. I realized that, listen, we are what we are. We are Christians. We are to be salt and light. When we pray, when we witness, you hand out tracts. Listen, people are going to be look at you differently. That does not mean we should stop for what God's given us to do. Lastly, we're done. I'm sorry, I told Brother brother Robert, I quit saying that. Things to remember about Jonah and his disobedience. Number one, he couldn't run further than God's hand. You can try to leave God behind. You can say, you know what, I don't want to do God's will, so I'm going to try to forget God's will. I'm going to travel far away from God's will as possible. It never works that way. I attest to that personally. There was a time in my life where I was trying to run away from the will of God. I didn't want to be a preacher. (laughs) I didn't want to do that. I saw my dad go through the same thing. I saw the struggles that comes with being a preacher. And I said, I don't want anything to do with that. Listen to me. If God's called you to do something, do it. You'll never be happy doing anything else. Number two, he still had the job to do the job that he hated. I don't know about you. My kids, they complain. Oh, I don't want to do this job. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit more. Don't complain, right? Why? Because dad's going to make you do it longer or a little bit more. Why? Because he wants you to be grateful of what God's given you to do. We as Christians, listen, God will still accomplish his plan whether you're obedient or not. He might still use you. He might still bring you to that understanding. But as a Christian, we need to be careful not to become drawn from the sensibility that God has given us. Jonah eventually had to go back to those people of Nineveh. He still had to preach the gospel. He still had to be faithful to God's plan. Even though they, he tried to go as far as he could. What happened when he went as far as he could? Great big fish came along, didn't it? He, he did get there. You know how he got there? In the first speed ship ever made by God. A whale. He got there as fast as God could take him. No, he didn't. Yeah, you're right. He got to Nineveh, but he never got to Tarshish. He tried, didn't he? God says, okay, fine. That fish came up and swallowed him, and he started praying. That's what we do sometimes, don't we? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I screwed up here. Look at my mess that I made. Clean it up for me. So God cleans it up, and what? The fish spits him out on the shore. He goes out and preached to Nineveh. What happens with Nineveh? They repent. They repent. What happens with Jonah? Here's the interesting thing. We're not thankful for the goodness of God. Gets he gets mad, doesn't he? He gets angry. God, why would you save them? Why would you bring that? Why would you have that happen? Well, listen. God's plan is, is, all, is, is, um, is perfect. God's is the most important thing that's ever going to be accomplished. The Bible says that if the children of Israel were not to cry out, Hosanna! But what does the Bible say? The rocks would cry out. And Jonah had a purpose and plan, and God says, I'm going to accomplish that whether you're part of it or not. Don't think that God will not judge you. Don't think if you try to run from God that God will not bring uh, 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 fire and brimstone down in your life. I've attested that. I've seen it personally. I've seen how God brought fire and brimstone on my life. God has a plan for you. And he will accomplish that plan. The people of Nineveh repented. The interesting thing is, who came out the worst in this situation? Jonah did. Jonah did. You think about it. Jonah was called to preach. What would have happened if Jonah says, Okay, God, I'm just gonna do it. Whatever you want, Lord, I'm I'm your servant, I'm gonna be faithful. Kind of what I talked about today, having a servant's heart. I'll be faithful, I'll do what you want me to do. What if he would have just done that? God, I'm gonna have a happy spirit. He would have been there, been back, no fish being swallowed, and no issues, and God would have blessed even then. Maybe even more. And he would have had a happy spirit. He would have had joy. You girls, listen to me. When God speaks to you to be obedient to your mommy and daddy, listen to me. You need to be careful not to be someone that's unhappy with God's will in your life. God's giving you a plan. Zach, someday God's going to call you to a woman. God's going to give you one. I I believe He will. You better be happy with who who God gives you. Okay? Right? Amen, Andrew? Amen, Brother Oscar? I know Oscar's happy. I know he's happy. He couldn't have gotten any better. I'll tell you what. Amen. We're worried for Brother Oscar. I don't think he was ever going to get married. (laughs) God changed that, though, didn't He? Gave you a good woman. Right, Araceli? God gives you someone. Be thankful for what God's given you. I don't know how I got him woman. and uh, a good woman. I'm kind of lost now. Oh, Jonah. <laughs> Jonah was this man that had, had, had lost the very essence of what God had given him to do. He got judged by God. He got thrown out there. It's interesting because God still loved him enough to build this huge gourd over his head. And it, it protected him from the sun. And here's angry Jonah, oh God, I can't believe you saved him. Okay, Jonah, I'm just going to take this gourd away. This big old leaf he just shrivels up and then he's sitting in the hot burning sun. Makes him even more angry. And we leave the story of Jonah with what? A bitter, angry old man. Now I pray that maybe Jonah got right and changed his ways, but in the Bible, from what we can see, he didn't. He was still angry at God. He was still bitter at God. And he probably held that for the rest of his life. Don't be like Jonah. He was left a bitter man under a wilted gourd. Don't be that person. He was discouraged and angry with no resolution except for his hatred towards God and his plan. We have to understand that God has given us obedience. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 2, when we disobey God, it says, For if the word spoken by angel was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a recompense of reward, there's always a consequence when we turn our back on God. There's a loss of blessings and there's a loss of rewards. When you turn your back and where God's put you, you lose out on the very blessings that he wanted to give you. I'll give this illustration. I'll give it once before. Where's my wife's not in here? My little Nolan, he is God's blessing to me for being obedient. I found out literally a week after I got ordained to be a preacher that I was pregnant. My wife was, well, not me. I do look pregnant, so don't get confused. But uh, my wife was pregnant with little Noly. We didn't know it was a boy. I have five girls, and I'm thankful for you girls. Don't worry, don't, don't think I'm not but I, had a, I had never I never thought I'd have a boy. God blessed me with that boy. That's God's gift to me. And I know that was his blessing to me. He says, hey, thank you for being obedient. Here's a little blessing. It's a big blessing, actually. I don't know. Give me a couple of years, so I'll tell you what I feel about it here. But listen to me, God blesses you. He gives you rewards. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, A Collect according to the foreknowledge of God, through sanctifying of the Spirit, until obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Listen to me. When you're obedient, when you stay right with God, God brings the blessings. Don't forget, not only do you receive the curse from God for being disobedient, but you also miss out on the blessing that God planned to give you. All right. I'm done. Here's a little interesting, if you want to write these down. In chapter 1, Jonah flees. Amen. Chapter 2, Jonah prays. Chapter 3, Jonah preaches. In chapter 4, Jonah pouts. Chapter 1, there's the disobedience of J- Jonah. Chapter 2 is the distress of Jonah. Chapter 3 is the declaration of Jonah. And chapter 4 is the displeasure of Jonah. Jonah. He was fleeing in the first chapter. He was fearing in the second chapter. He was following in the third chapter. And he was fuming in the fourth chapter. (laughs) Joan in the storm. Joan in the fish. Joan in the city. Joan in the Lord. All right. Let's close in word of prayer.